Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Am I Embarrassing You podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Wexler, here with my mom, Dr. Amy. Hello. Hello. We're back after a quick week break, and we are here today with our first guest of the year, our friend, Lindsay Pierce, who is the owner of The Craft Studio in New York, a child and adult art space on the Upper East Side and now in Tribeca, with also a pop-up seasonally in the Hamptons and birthday parties in and out of the studios, as well as Zoom classes. Lindsay started working at the studio as a college freshman in 2003, and she bought the business when she was only 24. We have known Lindsay since 2003, since I was five, and we are so lucky to call her and our, her family, some of our dearest friends. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Lindsay. What an amazing intro. Thank you, Zoe. I'm so excited to be here. What an honor. We're so happy to have you. you. Just going to add a little bit to that. That's okay. Please. Lindsay is one of the warmest, most positive, and most beautiful inside and out people we know. One of the many unique and amazing things about Lindsay is that she remembers every person's name the first time she meets them and then knows their names forever. Something you cannot. I am still baffled by this. <laughs> you can't quiz me though. Watch the one time we have a quiz and I'm like, oh, no. you know, but like 10, no, it was in like, high school. You're like, how's Zoe's friend from nursery school? So, and so, and so, and so, and her mom and dad, I was like, they moved out of the city 10 years ago, but you know, everyone's name. It's just, Aww. I know it, it's a, one of the remarkable things about you, but there's so many it would take up the entire podcast hour. <laughs> oh, that means so much to me. I think the world of you both, and it was such a pleasure to watch Zoe grow up into the amazing and smart and beautiful and kind, beautiful inside and out young woman. And Amy, you have always been a huge role model for me. Like talk about not just mom goals, women goals, career goals. You just, I always idolized you. And from the time I was- Friends a young 20 something. I was like, I want to be like Amy. Oh my gosh. All right. You're embarrassing me. (laughs) Am I embarrassing you? (laughs) Well, I mean, I remember having my birthday party at the craft studio and going to my friend's parties and everyone was like, who is that? Um, To us, you were like a princess. You were a Disney princess. And then you, and you bought the craft studio and everyone was so excited. And you know, people on our podcast, we have really great reception to episodes about women in business, women in finance, just women who take control basically. So can we start talking about your story with the craft studio and buying it at 24? Yeah. Um, so pretty early on in college, I came here. I honestly, I went to Marymount Manhattan college and I loved it and had a great experience, but coming from a small town, I knew I just wanted to be in New York. So it was less about the college, more about getting to New York city for, you know, a bigger, bigger and brighter, uh, you know, place to have more opportunities. I just was enamored by it. I had only come a couple times and, you know, choosing to go to college in New York, I already had a few scholarships and I had student loans. So pretty early on, I was trying to, you know, find as many part-time jobs as possible. And I'll never forget somebody sliding me the craft studio business card. And I walked up the first time and I just fell in love with it. It was a snowstorm. Only like three kids showed up to the little boy's birthday party that I interviewed and observed. And it just was magic to me. And I felt like I I just fell in love with it. Um, And I quickly started working there as much as I possibly could. And it never felt like work because I truly 
was having fun. And I always was thinking, you know, there could be so much more. The birthday parties are great and you can come in and paint a plaster. But what about after school programs? What about bringing, you know, the craft studio to go? What about, you know, more workshops and, and programs? So one day when I was 21, I graduated college in three years just so I could have less of a student loan burden. I literally, I think I had it on poster board, a whole pitch to Barbara, the owner. And I was modeling at the time and I was working, but I wanted something steady too. So I thought, what if I pitch like this after school and classes and workshop program to Barbara, the owner, maybe she'll go for it and it'll be my steady thing. And she literally looked at me in the eye and said, do you want to buy the business? And I literally, I think after my jaw fell down and I was <laughs> like, I don't, have any money really I don't have you know I don't know how could this be and and she said I wanted to go to somebody who cares about it so we'll figure it out and exactly so I was 21 when that happened and I signed the contract and then for three years I slowly you know worked a lot of it off and she came up with a great plan for a young person to be able to do this and it was amazing it was a great experience and it was interesting because a lot of my friends at the time said, you know, oh, you work so much. I, I was basically working seven days a week through most of my twenties. And I just felt like it was going to be worth it. I was like, I can see that this is, you know, I want to go out and have fun, but I just, I just had this vision that it was the right path. Um, so yeah, so it's been a long time. I'm 37 now. And I literally walked in on my first day when I was 18 years old. So, wow. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So how yeah. have you grown the craft studio over the years? What are your plans going forward? So the craft studio has totally evolved. So, you know, now we have two locations, which is exciting. And we do a ton of stuff that happens outside of the studio, which is a big part of kind of what I started to do early on when I became the owner. Um, you know, we have pre-pandemic, we were going into stores like Bloomingdale's and Saks, like once a quarter doing um, events to bring foot traffic in before like summer camp season, for example, they would say, can you think of a cool craft that will get parents in so the kids will shop for summer clothes for summer camp and you'll keep the kids occupied. Um, and we had a ton of clients and events like that. You know, we do corporate parties for adults. We do a lot of after school programs, which they, we go to the schools, which is amazing. Um, and parties to go in people's homes and houses. And I remember doing that for you very early on. Yep, um, I remember too. I have vivid memories of that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I also remember saying to Zoe, guess who I got to come over for your oh sleepover? God. I bet I was. Oh I said, oh my God. In the craft studio. <laughs> and she's like, your whole mouth were like, she's coming to my house. Like, can I show her my room? It was. Gosh. A celebrity was coming over. Aw, was a celebrity in our house. Yeah, to Aww. meet more like Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Aww, I, I couldn't believe. So it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like I, love that. I, I kind of remember you made pillows. Yeah, I feel like you did pillows. I think I, I remember, remember a messenger. Did you have a messenger bag party yes. too? Okay. Yes, and also a pajama party. <laughs> yes. You made the pajamas another time. Yep. Yep. I remember gluing on all those gems. I was obsessed and. I kept some of them fell off. So I probably like wore it all around and whacked it on stuff. And I kept those tiny little gems in a little box. Cause I was like, oh, they're my jewels. They were so special. <laughs> no, I still, I remember that feeling so well when you get the little gems and you're so excited about it and you keep yeah, them. That's a real treasure. Yeah. Were you always into arts and crafts? 
I'm going to be completely honest. I, I would expect I, nothing less from you. <laughs> I, yes. I loved arts and crafts. Was it my end all be all? No, but I think that arts and crafts sort of, as I started working in the craft studio, I started to really fall in love with the sort of the childlike connection. And, and even when I do a sample, it's sort of just, it's like therapy kind of. Um, totally. So I loved arts and crafts. Was I at the art studio every day growing up? No, um, but I always was with kids, like always camp counselor, assistant dance teacher. I loved being with kids. So that was the, the thread that immediately, that was, the I, hook. that was the hook for me. And when you yeah. see, you've got like, adult activities, what are some of the adult activities? I mean, yeah, I still love painting a plaster, so even though I'm technically a grown up. No, I love, well, everybody loves to, but I think to let loose and paint the plaster, it's like okay. a childhood thing and nostalgia for everyone. Um, but it's real. there's so many different things we've done for adults. We one time did a chocolate house building competition for uh, an American Express team building event where each department had to build the chocolate village using the pieces. Cool. We do pumpkin carving events in the fall for adults. We do, um, you know, we'll do a, like a canvas with multimedia steps that they'll follow along with. We really can dream up a lot of different things. I love the fanny packs lately. They're my favorite right now. Cause I love, love I know you guys love fanny. I could use a new fanny pack. I was You're about, not fanny packs. Oh, I was about to say I could make one, but instead I'm going to say, Zoe, maybe you could make one for me. Sure. I suck there at crafts, except I'm getting into pottery, like on the wheel, but otherwise I am not I, into crafts. Oh. I was blown away by that, by the way. Um, I also really enjoy puffy paint. Did you, either of you dabble in puffy paint? When I was in high school, it was all the rage yeah. to make puffy t-shirts. Um, I feel like it's a very 80s, 90s nostalgia thing. Yes. So that's really fun. I love that. So you were um, parties to go way before the pandemic, but that must have been really helpful to already have that kind of infrastructure in the business. Yeah. So honestly, right before the pandemic, I was sort of about to research locations for a third store, which thank goodness that was a pause. Um, and then we really were starting to get our kit line together that holiday season right before. So that would have been 2019. We, you know, launched a couple kits, like a little cupcake clay box and a New York city skyline frame. And it did really well. So we were starting to look into packaging and manufacturers and that knowledge helped me so much because as soon I'll never forget walking Elle, my older daughter, to ballet in March, early March of 2020. And a mom just said, the schools are going to close. And I was like, I'm in trouble. And I remember throwing Elle in Ballet Academy East, running downstairs to the studio and being like, guys, we're, we're in trouble. We need to take inventory of everything we've ordered for, I mean, it was going to be spring break. I had spring spring break curriculum for two weeks and two studios of five kids every day doing five projects. I had oh tons, we had tons of parties booked at that point, tons of party supplies. So I was like, what do we have that we could pivot into kits to ship to people? Um, and I just went into that mode of, okay, let's get going. And that's what you did? Yeah. And in the, in the beginning, it was just, I think a lifesaver to so many people. I have this photo. And of course, in the beginning, we knew nothing early March, no one's wearing a mask, but people have gloves on packing the kids and we're like them out the door to people, gloves on, no mask. It's so funny. We, when we knew so little, but, and it, I think it helped a lot of people through. And then during the pandemic, every 
single weekday, I did a craft of the day clip and it was exhausting. And I'm so proud of it. When I look back on that, Luke was, my son was a newborn and I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old, but somehow we just did the craft video every day. And so many parents were like that little idea of something to do with household materials helped us so much. Maybe we did once a week. Um, but that kind of helped me also like stay creative. And I just felt like I was helping people. I, I watched them. I never did any of the crafts, but I was just never. happy to watch oh. you. No, I'm not going to sit oh. and do crafts by myself, but I'm so like, bad at it. watching Lindsay, like, your face is just joyous. The kids are adorable. Oh, kids are so so nice. Did you have to lay that off any staff? So pretty early on, it was, it, somebody gave me the advice. They're like, find the New York state unemployment website and have everybody who, you know, who is going to not work for a little bit, do that. And, you know, we ended up retaining the team, anybody who was full-time. Um, and then when we reopened, cause we were closed for six months, it was crazy. And then anybody who wanted to come back, came back. A lot of people moved away. So in a lot of ways, it was sort of like starting from scratch. Pre-pandemic, I had like 40 something people. And then it went down to like six, which is crazy. So luckily, like life circumstance, I feel like nobody's life was turned upside down and directing them this way was the best way to go about it. And I I was going to say too, that the people who, you know, where it stayed on, I mean, they were amazing. Like a lot of them volunteered to work for free. We put together like this little craft studio show and oh. people were like, I'll do it for free. And, and they rallied and um, it was amazing. It was so inspiring. And, and Noreen packed like all these kits, you know, Brick Church, our nursery school ordered a kit for every single child. And so wow. the community really rallied around us, which was so nice to have that support. That's, That's amazing. Awesome. I was just thinking when you mentioned yeah. the kids and talking about how you literally worked seven days a week for all those years, did you yeah. take real maternity leaves? Like how did you handle maternity leave each time being a small business owner? So I didn't really take a maternity leave. I worked mostly, it sounds terrible, but honestly, I think it kind of helped me being a new mom, have something else to focus on. I worked. And a lot of times when I was up with the kids, like in the middle of the night, nursing them, I would be answering emails. Um, so I worked from home. I would pop in and like on the weekends when Ian was here, I'd go in and pop in. So I didn't really have a traditional maternity leave, but I definitely stayed home and worked from home more uh, than I ever did before, which was a definite adjustment. I've gone from being in the studio all the time and it was hard. And I, I sort of had some moments where I more, I was loving my little ones, but when you go from this place, being a part of your life for so many years, it was definitely a transition, but I think the, the flip side of it is being a business owner has given me so much flexibility. I work a lot and sometimes people will stop me on the street and it hurts my feelings sometimes. And I know people don't mean it, but they'll be like, wow, you know, when are you ever at your studio? And I'm like, you're catching me in a moment when I'm with my kids. I'm at the studio all the time and vice versa. If I'm at the studio, they'll say, oh, it must be so hard. Do you ever see your kids? And That's I feel me. like I have, I know it always makes me feel bad. I'm like, no, I can't be. This happened to me too. I, you know, I rarely yeah. leave the office during the day. Years, maybe five yeah. years ago, I was having lunch down the block from my office with an old friend, you know, I'd planned it in advance and I saw one of my patients at lunch. 
I said hi and she yelled across the restaurant, Dr. Amy, they let you out of your office? And I was like, mm, okay. Like, like, like I let myself out. I planned it four <laughs> months in advance. Yeah, and even if you didn't plan it in advance, you're a human and right. it's, it's, it's a hard thing. And I'm learning to let go. I used to care so much. You know, if somebody came in the studio and I wasn't there, they think I was a terrible business owner. Or if I am not at pickup or drop off one day, but I know that what other people think I've learned really doesn't matter. Um, and I feel like I have a pretty good balance and it, I feel happy. And I think if there was ever a moment I felt stressed or that one side of the coin was too, I'd reevaluate. And that's sort of a beautiful thing about, I think getting older is I'm sort of learning more about how to let things roll and, and feeling confident in myself and my choices, you know? I, I love that, number one. And mm -hmm. number two is that I think people assume that even if you have a fabulous husband and marriage that the mom still takes on the brunt of the work. And if someone says, if you're at the studio and someone says, why aren't you with the kids? They're like, well, what about your husband? Like you split the responsibility. Right. So people just assume that you do have to do everything hundred percent, but that's you have a, the beauty of having a partner and especially someone like Ian, who's just, you know, so hands-on with the kids and like, I mean, we love him. Yes. So great. Oh, and it's like, it's totally just disregard, you know, right. the whole thing. It's like the dads don't right. even count. Exactly. You're so right. Uh, so many things you just said were so right. A, Ian is amazing. And I feel as if he is my gift in life, um, among other gifts. I'm, but he is, we're, we're very in sync. And, you know, we sort of actively try and make sure and there's times where it's, we don't do as good of a job, but we're supportive of each other. And we tell the kids if one of us is at work and just this past weekend when it was a snowstorm, I felt strongly, if I'm open, I wanna show my team, like I'm gonna be there too on a day like this. So, you know, I had to go to work and Elle was like, mom, it's a weekend, da, da, da. And Ian is, the narrative he says is, he says, Elle, this is, your mom works so hard. This is amazing. Like you, this is what, you know, she has to do and she wants to be a good leader and it's an amazing thing. And he supports me and I support him just when it's, you know, Ian misses dinner time once in a blue moon for a meeting. Um, but I think you're right, Zoe. Also, there's still so much pressure on the mom and yeah. it's interesting. We've come so far, but it just falls, I think still. Yeah, I think so too. Mom. But how cool for your yeah. kids to grow up in the craft studio. I know, are they, do, yeah. they, do they come a lot after school? They come all the time. So that's the thing. This weekend, there's a snowstorm. Ian pulls them on the sled and brings them into the studio. And they, on the weekends, we'll visit Tribeca and we'll go to a restaurant down there, go ice skating down there and we'll pop it and see the store. And I think it's really good for them. I think that I want them to see, you know, me working and, and, it's also fun. You know, Elle leaves little notes for the staff under the register now and they pretend oh. to answer the phone and, you know, Luke tears stuff down, but no, just kidding. <laughs> um, Luke does tear stuff down, but he'll get there, but it's kind of magical. I love it. I always dreamt about having my own kids there. So it's so fun. And, and I went to one of your daughter's birthday parties this earlier this year in, I guess it's not 2020 anymore, 2021 anymore. In the fall. Yeah. Yes. In the park, yes. it was like the whole craft studio. It, it was an outdoor 
kind of yeah. go party. And it was so much fun. And, you know, all the kids were there and your whole family. And it's like really just nice. It's just amazing. Everything is so integrated. And, you know, the people, yeah. your staff really is another part of your family. I mean, I, people, some people yeah. work for you. I know them when I was having birthday parties. So people, yeah. you know, it just shows you the community that, and the kind, of, the kind of leader you are for sure. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. And it, it does feel so special when it's something for one of my kids and it's like full circle and my team is so good to them and treat them, you know, as family and they come in and everyone, you know, I don't know, they feel special and it's so wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's way cooler than using a doctor's office. I I was actually going to say, I was actually going to say that I remember, well, I was seven when you opened your private practice or six and I remember like your first yeah. office and going there for the first time and your first office was pretty dark <laughs> and small, but it nonetheless, super cool. And then your second office and now oh. you're third and I'm, you know, growing up like that. I loved it. No, I loved it. Yeah, so cool. I used to think that I was being so sneaky when I was younger and shorter and I would sit in mom's yeah. chair and turn around. So when she would come in from being in exam room, I would spin around and surprise her. And I was like, it's going to work every time. I love that. I love that. I always thought that was so cool for you and your brother that your mom just was this ultimate role model. I'll never forget also that that uh, press article that came out with the two of you when you were so young, Zoe. It was like Mother Magazine. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. I like loved that. It was so special. We both have it framed in our rooms. Oh, as you should. It's so beautiful. I got to skip school and I was like the most rule, biggest rule follower. And I got to miss a day of school for a photo shoot. It was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I was also oh really goodness. shy. So the next day people were like, where were you? I was like, I was sick. <laughs> like, I wasn't going to talk about it. And I was so shy. It's like, oh my God. I was at fever. <laughs> oh my God. In bed all day. Nothing fabulous fun at all. So fun. Lens, yeah. what does the future of the craft studio look like? Like, oh, I think you, so you I'm so everything excited. you could conquer the world of craft I studios. Oh, I love that. So, I really feel ready to open a third store, and awesome. we've been playing around with areas. I really love the idea of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, we've taken a few weekend jaunts out there to kind of explore and see. So, I think. I feel Brooklyn, but I also really feel West Coast. I love California. Um, I have a lot of friends there. Before I had the kids, I spent a lot of time there visiting friends. And, you know, I'd go at least a couple times a year. And I know it logistically, it seems, how would we do it? But in my mind and in my gut, I feel like it would work. And I, I've learned to trust my gut. And usually it's right. It's interesting. I don't know. So I don't know when that would happen but I feel like maybe an LA craft studio. I think it would be a huge hit. Me too. Especially, I know this is kind of weird, but especially with the driving culture in Los Angeles, you can just drop off your kids and know that they're, you know, and trust that they're doing something, you know, good and artistic and also that they're safe. And it's not, you know what I mean? It's like easier. I feel like with the driving culture, you can just drop them off and, you know, the birthday parties. And also because there are so many like central kind of commercial areas where there are like a plaza right exactly like we don't really have plazas here but, right but like right. I, just, I see it I see like, it. like the Brentwood country yeah I feel like a Brentwood craft studio yeah. yes I feel the same I feel the same I, so I love that 
that. Um, but, but where that wouldn't this work? I mean, as long as you have so question. people, this is going to be yeah. successful. As long as there are children. I know. I feel as if it needs a, to tie to a big city um, mm -hmm. because my <laughs> business, there's tons of little mom and pops art studios all over and they're amazing and wonderful. And there's one even a couple towns over from where I grew up that people go to. But I think mine is more of a city centric mm. um, vibe. I don't know why. I just feel as if we need the, the bigger markets. Um, yes, so yeah, so I don't know. Also in Chicago, I feel like it would do well. I was gonna say- Would you say so? I was gonna say Chicago. Oh. I was gonna say also like with the city stuff because you can do to-go parties and you know, like that kind of thing is so much easier in a city. And so much yes, needed. Exactly. I feel like if it's not in the suburbs, you have more space, you're less likely to want to order something like that. But right. you can exactly. do it in a studio apartment, literally. Right, exactly. And I also think that my your brand is a reflection of you. And I've really become a city girl. I love cities. Um, yeah, I have. I love going home and visiting where Ian and I grew up in the same hometown. And it's wonderful. And sometimes my girls are like, we should live there because it's just different and it's special. And but I, I'm a city girl. I, I really am. I love the action. I also like... I love that I'm in my neighborhood and I know like, you know, always jokes around. He says, you can't walk down the street without seeing five people. I love that. But I also love the anonymity of a city. Like I could go to a different neighborhood and no time and blend in if I don't want to. Uh, I think that's really appealing to me. Yeah. Are you and Ian high school sweethearts? Good question. <laughs> so we are not, a, I guess not technically because we, when on our first date, I don't even think I was allowed to date really. I might've fit to my dad when I was the sophomore <laughs> and he was a senior, he sent me an IM and it was, it happened to be on our birthday. And I didn't even know we had the same birthday. And so this really cute boy who's two years older than me and like the soccer star <laughs> is sending me an IM. And somehow I was like, oh, it's my birthday. And he said, oh, that's so funny. Did you hear at school that it's my birthday? And I said, no what? I don't get the joke. No, it's my birthday. So we, first time we really interacted was on our mutual birthday. Oh, and so you know, he was a senior and going off to play soccer. So we went on a couple dates and kind of, that was that. And I finished high school, but he came home for a summer and we were camp counselors and I, we had the best time we worked together. It was like a dream. We were with the kids all day. And then we go to the lake and jet ski and, you know, party with our friends all all evening it was so fun and he said you know you're going to new york for college i'm going to indiana like this is just for fun and of course i was totally head over heels in love with him and i came to college and was heartbroken i remember singing in my dorm room cheryl crow picture and throwing <laughs> his pictures and then being like no no everybody find the pictures right now <laughs> and then it was kind of i'm trying to think of how many years it was right before or after I graduated and I did only three years and I happened to be in the West Village with an, I had another boyfriend and uh -huh. I looked across the street and I never was with in the West Village I felt really cool I was going to a party with my boyfriend at the time and I look over and I'm like is that Ian Pierce oh my gosh no what and all of a sudden I hear Lindsay and I go there could be a million Lindsay's and he goes <laughs> Lindsay Johnson which is my maiden name and I was like, oh no, here we go again. And oh he God. was waiting tables at the Soho house in grad school. I didn't even really know he was in New York. And 
pretty soon the boyfriend was bye-bye but yeah That's such a great story That's so cute oh my God. so funny the notebook that. also came out that summer and I remember watching, reading the notebook, watching the movie, calling my mom crying, being like, I don't know, the boyfriend seems like a steadier bet. And really like just comparing my life to the notebook because that's what a, what I did. I don't know. Was Ian like a playboy? He was like the soccer star and a lot of girls liked him, but he wasn't really a playboy. He just... I think at that time in his life, he was like, I don't want a girlfriend. I'm going to play soccer and go yeah. into every, a different city, every, you know, he played division one. So different state every weekend. And it just wasn't the right time. And I think, I don't know. I always, I told him the other night for some reason, when we like talked that first time when I was 15 and he was 17, something sort of like felt that this was a bigger connection. Sounds cheesy, but I really it feel like I feel cheesy. No, that's back I don't to know. that feeling, which right. is so important. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. There. <laughs> so cute. I love that. Uh, uh, and has Ian always been the kind of guy who's a feminist who thinks like, men and women are equal and should share parenting tasks and all that stuff? Always. He, he seems like that um, guy. Yes. Yeah. He, from the get-go, was always my equal from the middle of the night to, to everything really. He loves being a dad. He is so supportive of what I do. It's, it's kind of interesting because we've really never even had a conversation. It's just, you know, his nature and he's such a good dad. I feel he was meant to be a dad. The kids adore him and he's such a good husband. Um, It's just, again, I feel like it's like, my solid gift. I, I have my best friend throughout life. You know, when something happens major to us, we always talk about our gifts. And and we, I, for some reason, I feel like he was one of my gifts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sounds cheesy, but no, it doesn't. Just not that, and also not that I don't feel. And that's a good thing too. Is I'm very independent, and I think that's why it works too. It's not like. I need him to survive. It's just, we have an amazing partnership and uh, I don't know. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally makes sense. Yeah. So we can switch gears a little bit. We're actually coming up with an episode. We were brainstorming a lot this weekend about, we finished the show Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's so great. Love. 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 And they talk a lot about mental health in that show and they deal with impacts and it's really evolved and great and we're going to talk more about that in an upcoming episode but yeah mental health and mental illness a lot on our show and we get a lot of questions about how to deal with you know the current rise in depression and people are feeling more isolated yeah because of the pandemic and because of the stressors right and the rise in substance abuse and I mean all of that was high to begin with and now the pandemic has brought it of course unfortunately and we know that you had a huge family tragedy about five years ago yeah. Um, I, I can't remember how long ago it was. I, I sometimes forget that it's already been almost six years. L was one and L seven. So huh. would you, would you mind talking to us about it? Oh, I love talking about it. I think it's so important. Um, so yeah. So my brother who I, there was just my brother and I, and he was two years younger than me and he was so handsome and smart and kind, the kindest person you will ever meet. And, and just, 
just a quiet, calm presence. Um, he had a very intense, and it say I say that it was brief, but I think there was some signs earlier on um, battle with mental health, and ultimately he took his own life, and it just rocked my family, and it was a very difficult thing. Um, but I love talking about it because I think it's so important. And often I talk to Ian and my mom and even my dad about how in the short time since Jay passed away that we've gone, we've had strides in mental health and it's so beautiful. And sometimes it can be a little bit painful because you're like, oh, only if like it was two years later, maybe. But I know ultimately that Jay would be so happy that this was happening. Because I think a lot of what was hard for Jay was that he felt so different that he, you know, ha was struggling with, you know, we really don't even know because it was so fast and he wasn't, you know, in the beginning before things got really bad, he wasn't always forthcoming about what was going on. But I think there was some panic attacks, I think, you know, depression. And then I think Jay was always wanting to be perfect. And I think that's a lot of what our society is right now, which is so, so sad because there is no perfect, you know, and perfect is boring. That's what I say to the kids at the craft studio, you know, uniqueness is what makes us special. Um, but I think that social media, when he got sick or, and maybe it was going on a lot longer, but I think when he was really struggling, he thought that how can I, you know, have a life dealing with this you know, all these people have perfect lives. And, you know, I had to take time away from my job that I worked so hard to be at. Um, so I think all those things kind of contributed to him thinking that that was the best choice for everyone. I think he also didn't want our family to suffer, um, which is so sad. So yeah, I'm, I'm always, I'm such an advocate for talking about it. And right before the pandemic, I really was starting to think about how we could have a foundation where we go into a school with a professional, because I'm not a mental health professional, but we bring an art project that the kids could focus on mm -hmm. while a mental health professional talks them about mental health and how what we see on social media isn't always true and, and that sort of thing. Sounds and now I have to take a breath. I do okay, you guys. Listen, I talk so fast. Can I talk about that? No, no not at great. all. Yeah, no, it was perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What did he do for a living? Okay, so he was so smart. He was an engineer, a mechanical engineer, and he worked for Michelin Tire for a little while. He worked for this company in Plattsburgh, Plattsburgh, Plattsburgh. Yeah, I always say that wrong in Plattsburgh for a little bit, but his last job was at Pepperidge Farm. He was like one of the head mechanical engineers at Pepperidge Farms. And he was an amazing athlete, but he sort of never fit into I think the stereotypical box, he wasn't a basketball player. He liked to mountain bike and jump his snowmobiles and, oh, cool. you know, extreme. Yeah. Do extreme sports. And I think that was hard for him when, when I, we were growing up, you know, I think he was a kind kid and sometimes kind kids, at least when we were growing up, I, I hope it's changed for my own children and all the children, you know, people tend to tend to pick on you know, somebody who's a little more soft-spoken who might not, might not fight back. And he just was so gentle and kind and, and wasn't, he wasn't a basketball player. He wasn't a football player. He loved art. Um, so I think, you know, he might've struggled a little bit and it's sometimes I feel guilty because I had a, a great high school experience and 
we, we had a great relationship and, and we're so supportive of each other, but I always think, oh, was I paying attention enough to see if he was struggling? Um, but yeah, so I think that that kind of maybe planted the seed for some, you know, lifelong struggles for him. So growing yeah. up, how did you talk about mental health in your family? I know it's kind of a new thing, honestly, to do that, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't really remember talking about it a lot. And my parents are great. I had a, an amazing childhood and I feel it's so hard for them because they always second guess every parenting decision they've ever made. And, you know, I have to reiterate, you know, especially my mom, like none of this is your fault. She was a great mom. And, and Jay always reiterated that. Um, but as far as discussions about mental health, you know, my mom is a health teacher, which is so interesting, which is sort of, um, you know, she was so open about everything. And we talked about whatever we struggles we had, but I think when I was growing up, there wasn't really a huge focus on it. You know, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Well, in health class, there was never a section on mental health. Did you even remember it? No. Now the kids have that, but yes. Yes. And I think it's great to know that your kids will grow up with like way more than even I had. And I had a lot in school. Absolutely. And I think to, to some extent, we all struggle with a little bit of a mental health issue with at some point in our life, I think everybody has feels anxiety or panic. And it's just so important to normalize those feelings because we're human. And, it, and I also think about how sometimes, especially in the beginning, not now, but I would be so hesitant to tell people what happened to him, like, because I wouldn't want them to judge him for the way he passed away. But you have to remember, just like cancer is a sickness of the body, a mental illness is a sickness of your brain, your most important, I'm going to say it's an organ, right? Amy, don't yes. make yes. fun of me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, wait. Um, so I think that's, that's the stigma that we have to get rid of. Why is it so, so tragic and sad when somebody has a, you know, something you know, like a cancer or, you know, they're in an accident, but can, I can't even imagine how Jay must have felt like that is what's the saddest part about it is, is wrapping my head around how he was feeling in the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you spoken to your kids about their uncle Jay? So I, ha- I have, oh, he, they know all about him, but I think pretty soon, Ian and I have to figure out the plan of how we're going to talk about it more with them. I mean, my kids are seven, five, and two. And Elle sometimes will ask now a little bit more, like, how did he die? You know, because we, you know, we still, I think it's really important to keep him alive. And we tell happy stories and there's pictures of him in our house. Um, But for now, we say, you know, Uncle Jay was sick and, you know, books explain a little bit more, you know, and that's fine. She just accepted as, as a seven-year-old little bouncing girl. Um, but we definitely, I want to make sure, you know, I want to talk about this stuff with my kids because I, I want them to know if they ever experience anything like that, we'll, we, we can figure it out, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, thank you for covering this. Oh my thank gosh. you for sharing. We really appreciate being, oh, being sure. yeah. Yeah. It's so, so sad. And we haven't figured out yet how to prevent suicide a lot of the times. Which yeah, I know. A real tragedy. And growing up, my mom was in the hospital a couple of times for depression. 
but it was yeah. not spoken of. I did not know why she went to the hospital. Yeah. Wow. My, we didn't talk about it till I was in college. Can you imagine? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. I know. And, wow. and then, sorry, I'm just trying to Is think. Okay? Yeah, of course. It's okay. No, no, no there was no, yeah, I mean, talk about stigma. I mean, I think my, I mean, my dad imagine. was old when I guess my mom, the first time she was depressed, I think she was, wait, let me think, 28, right? Okay. In the hospital. Okay. And the doctors told my dad she was never going to get better. Wow. Oh, and it's so 1973 sad. or 1974. Yeah. But I don't think he had anyone to talk to about it. Yeah. And my grandma and came and stayed with us and no one ever said anything. And then she was back you know, months, four yeah. months later. And then it happened again yeah. a few years later. And, and I remember a teacher, my Miss Mullery, my fourth grade teacher taking me outside during, outside of the classroom during recess to ask me if I was okay. Cause my mom had just gone to the hospital and I got defensive. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean? Of course of I'm course. fine. But she had yeah. a, like, your mom's in the hospital for severe depression. Like that's a big deal, but it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't okay yet to talk about it. And yeah. Only later, but now my mom like can talk to her about it. You know, when whenever sometimes I'll have a patient whose family member might need ECT, electric shock treatment, which is an amazing treatment uh -huh. for depression. My mom had that a few times yeah. in her life, and it saved her each time she had it yeah. as medications yeah. that work so well for her. And my mom yeah. like is happy to speak to that person to demystify amazing. it, to explain it, to you know, because people are scared. Right. Of course. You can just have imagined that she would be ever talk about it to no, a stranger let alone no. her family like right yeah. absolutely not so this stigma yeah. and thing you know I think I became a psychiatrist to try to master some of these things that I went through also my aunt has schizophrenia yeah and it was always you know if someone has diabetes you can measure a blood sugar level if someone has cancer you can see it on a scan or you can see a lump but if someone has mental illness you can't see it you can't I know. measure something you know, maybe some right. be able to, but it doesn't matter. It's still an illness right. of, of the brain. And just because the brain is also the organ that does the thinking, yeah. you know, there's that sense I can just, if I was stronger, I could think myself out of it or I could right. pull right. myself up by my bootstraps. Well, actually your neurotransmitters are completely out of whack and right. they help. I know. And that's what was so hard too, is Jay was reading a tons of self-help books and he tried so hard and to figure it out. And, and just, he, you know, he just, I think he just didn't want to be a burden to people. I think he felt as if um, there was never going to be any hope for him. And we just really, as a society need to keep pushing and shows like Ted Lasso are amazing. And, and, you know, talking about it and, and Amy, you were one of the first people I really think I was upfront with when it happened, I was pregnant with Vivian and I was just felt so vulnerable and, you know, sad. My brother had just died, but there was this other piece that I, you know, and when someone passes away, it's only human nature, but everybody wants to know what happened. Yes. And so I just felt, I didn't know how to explain it without, you know, making it seem that my brother I, I just felt like it questioned his character and when and now I feel so confident 
and explaining it to people like he was an amazing guy. This is a, an, a disease, a terrible disease he suffered. It is not Jay. It's not his fault. Uh, but in the beginning, even just five years ago, it was very difficult for me. Um, but you are so kind and amazing. And I just remember you were so, such a safe place for me to be able to talk about it the way I, talk, you know, I could just literally verbally blah it all out to you. Thank you. That was so, so amazing. No, that's it's the only way to be. Yeah. yeah. We are big proponents of uh, the whole point of this podcast is being open mm-hmm. and we're big proponents of therapy. Yeah. We've got our own therapy on the show. Yeah. So here, anything that we're saying and resonating with you, please talk to somebody. Yeah, let's put a link to a suicide hotline in the There is a breadth of resources out there for you, many of them free. And one of the good things about the pandemic is the advent of online therapy. Because now it's much more accessible to many people all over the world. I agree. I agree. I think it's it's a huge positive that came along with it. Yeah. Thank you for talking about it. Thank you. Of course. So- since our podcast is called Am I Embarrassing You? Yes. Would love for you to please share an embarrassing moment between you and your mom and one between you and the kids. Okay. <laughs> I have a really good one between me and my mom. So my mom started teaching health when I was in eighth grade, which was when we had sex education at our school. So my mom literally taught all the boys and girls oh, in no. my age. Luckily, there was another health grade teacher or health teacher in our grade, so I didn't have her. But I just remember, oh my god, you know, people all being like, "Mrs. Johnson just showed us how to put a condom on a banana." Oh my god, ah, that <laughs> is too good. That is my embarrassing story. Is my mom taught every eighth grader basically about sex education Wait, when I was that's in eighth the best grade. one yet. But Liz, really? you didn't have health until eighth grade. We had health, but for some reason, I don't know why, but it was eighth grade that we really got into the, the heavy duty stuff. I think that's normal. No, but you had health class like in fourth or fifth grade about like puberty. puberty I remember in fifth grade, they showed us the famous period video and it was (laughs) this VHS of what to do. And then we got a little card. We put our um, information and in the mail, we got a period pack and I'll never forget. It was magenta and turquoise and it had pads and tampons in it. And my mom was so open with me, but yet I was so embarrassed. I like hit it and and like, what are you doing? I don't know. (laughs) I was such an early bloomer that I didn't even like, I got my period like a week before fifth grade started. So I was nine, almost 10. So by oh the time almost eleven, yes, yeah, sorry, ten almost eleven. Yeah. And by the time that I got to um, by the time I got to health class that year, I was like, I'm so much m- more mature. I know all this <laughs> stuff. Like, don't give me your cardboard tampons. Like, I was like, I love it. I love cardboard tampons. I know, but I mean, everyone was like, oh my god, what's this? And I was like, please, like, I'm the girl. Well, like, I've been there, <laughs> done that. I know. I remember I got it one time in sixth. I think one time in fifth grade and then it came back in sixth grade. But I remember literally being in the bathroom being like, no, why is this happening to me? Like total, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, like moment, like crying, like this can't be happening. Liz, in your school in fifth grade, did they separate the girls and the boys? 
Like, did the boys also watch that period movie? Do you remember no, no, no. The it? boys watched a different VHS. I don't know many details about <laughs> it. About we could ask something. We could ask yeah. Ian. Yeah, let's ask Ian. We could ask Ian. We should ask Ian. Can we be like, how am I supposed to remember that? <laughs> I know. I know. Isn't that funny? Yes. Um, but I, I, I have are... a good one with the oh, kids, too. Okay, good. Please. So my I hate public restrooms. I don't know anyone who really does love them. But of course, we should say, go to the bathroom before we leave. Blah, blah, blah. But the girls have to go to the bathroom all the time. And so already going into a public bathroom, I'm like, <laughs> like I'm the so same. in the stall, always in the stall. And, you know, I'm like, don't touch anything. Hands down, arms down, nobody move. I'm going to make a toilet paper nest for you. I'll pull your pants down for you. I'll lift you. And then of course I'm like, okay, I'll go. So I'm like, don't move, don't touch anything. And of course, one of them always opens the door and there's mom like, please. <laughs> Happens like once a while. I'm like, why, why? I mean, it's just other women, but that's always happens. Oh, and they I like get more. Toilet paper nest. I never heard that. I love that. Oh, yeah, I call it the nest. I don't know if that's okay. what other people call it, but we call it the toilet paper nest. <laughs> I love that. I know. That's, I'm a squatter. I'm a squatter. And Alice tries to say oh, no. that she's yes, ready to yes, squat. She's, okay. not. Okay. she's not even tall enough. Right. She's not. And that's the, no. the thing. And she's like, mommy, I am strong. I'm like, yes, <laughs> but you are literally not tall enough. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. That's so funny. Oh. Oh, I know. That's so funny. much fun. That's funny. There's so many yeah. funny bathroom yeah. stories. I know, but you used to have to take Jane to the bathroom all the time with you. Oh yeah. Hmm. I remember that. I'm like, why is my brother in the bathroom? <laughs> like, it's so funny. Ladies' room. I know. I know. Well, poor Ian has taken the girls someplace, and there's sometimes there's a family restroom. Now it's gotten better, but he's been like, what am I gonna do? What am you know? One <laughs> time he went into the women. <laughs> bathroom at the old Barnes and Noble no one was in there he said so he just went into the women's room to let the girls pee and a woman came in and was like geez and he was like I'm, I've got a three and a one-year-old lady I'm just trying to let them pee I'm not peeing <laughs> and not bring them into the disgusting men's room with I men yes. urinals seeing their penises I, <laughs> I think he made the right choice that lady didn't Who? agree but whatever yeah so I we know. have one other question we ask every guest you, which is what is your favorite breakfast cereal oh you guys I love breakfast cereal so much as do we I think I think I had it was very difficult for me to decide my favorite I listen to your podcast all the time and I love hearing this answer I think Captain Crunch with crunch berries nice that's I forgot your lucky charm I also so much I know that. I know you that. Love it's Captain like Crunch, and I, I don't. No, I don't love Captain Crunch. Jay used to love Captain Sorry. Crunch. Having a moment. Of <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Hey. Um, <laughs> it's so hard. I love them all. I also love. Um, I think there's a berry theme with me. I like Kicks, but I like the berry one. Me too. I love Kicks. You love Kicks. So Kicks is delicious. I used to be obsessed with Kicks, and I would put okay. it in my yogurt as a kid. And it would make it colorful, and thought that was the best thing ever. So good. It's so funny because I think about, I remember one podcast you were saying, Amy, that you always had sweets around and it was sort of a thing where it wasn't like they would gorge on them because they never got them. And it's the same thing here is we'll have like a, a box of like fun cereal. And I'm always shocked how long it lasts in our house, but they're like, oh, you know, I'll be like, can I have oatmeal? I'm like, who are you? I just got the fun cereal. Okay, here you go. That's great. That's awesome. It totally works. A lot of my friends grew up with 
sugar cereal it was totally banned yeah and it's just like there's it's crazy because one of my really good friend came over to our apartment in 10th grade and had never had lucky charmers before and i looked at mom mom and i were like this isn't gonna go well like she's gonna pass (laughs) out of sugar coma from having one lucky charm that's that's so funny i love making them into rice krispie treats around saint patrick's day I don't know. I don't even really celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but I love a theme treat. Love a theme. It's good. Wait, can I say one more breakfast thing that I'm so excited about that I didn't have growing up that came to the neighborhood? I'm addicted to Krispy Kreme. I can't tell you. I love it so much. And just opened in our neighborhood. Yeah. So we, for like a special thing, we'll, we'll order, you know, they had the Halloween ones that were so cute. So one Saturday we ordered the Halloween ones and then they had the winter ones and I'm really excited about the Valentine ones. So those are good. So it hearts years ago when Krispy Kreme first came to New York, there was one on third Avenue, as you know, right. And 84th street Mm -hmm. where the McDonald's is now. And Zoe was still allergic to eggs. But Jaden loved donuts, but we couldn't have them at home. So Emma, our nanny, would take him sometimes, but she would call yeah. special bread. <laughs> so that when he came home, he didn't we say he had a donut. Oh, <laughs> because though, that's so smart. knew Couldn't that donuts have. were good. Like I would say, she'd come home from nursery school and say like, mom, if donuts aren't that good, why is everyone bringing them in for their birthday treat and eat some hot seconds? And I was like, mm, I would order these vegan donuts from some... Yes. that I found they were so gross yeah. and I would pretend that they were good so the day that Zoe her, her egg allergy we did a taste test Krispy Kreme Dunkin Donuts clear winner clear clear Krispy winner Kreme. clear winner Krispy Kreme and so that left and then I could go into the store and then I had the best time and they used to have that conveyor belt and then it left the yeah. neighborhood and last month it came back I know. And it's one avenue apart, right? Wasn't it? It was 84th and 3rd. Yes. Yeah. And now isn't it like 84th? No, it's like 85th. So close, but one avenue over. Yes. Between 85th and 86th on Lex. Yeah. And they were so nice. Krispy Kreme last year, anyone who showed their vaccine card got a free donut. We did it. We could go in every day if we wanted. We did go. We went once. I know. Should have gone again. I know. I know. I love sweets. I have to make sure I'm like good about it because I just love sugar. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to give myself, you know, diabetes or something. I just love <laughs> sugar. It's my weakness. I love sweets. Me too. That's why I'm confused. Like yeah. even my boyfriend, Wolf, he, he could have sweets growing up, but he didn't really like them kind of like my brother. And so now like, I always would rather have dessert. I'm like if my dinner is bad, I'm like, whatever, I'll have dessert. And he's like, I want to have more dinner. I'm like, get, just get over with the dinner. Have the dessert. Yeah. He's like, no, I can't. He's like, or he, had, or if he has some frosted flakes. He's like, I have a headache. I'm like, oh, please. <laughs> He it's, it's so nothing much. the sugar i'm like oh my god but my sugar tolerance is so high and i'm very proud i know mine <laughs> mine too mine too so mine too so funny i love it so, we're doing something special today and we would love to talk about the giveaway that you're doing for one of our listeners so i'm so excited about this giveaway because i love our craft subscriptions and we're giving away a three-month craft kit subscription. So we'll ship it to you wherever you live and we'll customize it based on how old you are. You can be an adult. We have awesome adult options all the way down through teens and tweens and kids to toddlers. And um, we'll ask your interest too. And we'll customize the crafts based around, you know, if you love food, we'll do fluff art donut canvases, like on theme with our podcast. Wow. Um, So generous of you. 
I might enter my own giveaway because <laughs> you know, you're not allowed. Okay, okay. I'll just come in and paint plaster. But so I'm going to put the rules on our Instagram. So look out for that. But can you'll just follow us and follow the Craft Studio NYC. And also I'll tell you what to comment on our Instagram. So just look out for our Instagram feed posts and Amazing. you can enter the giveaway when this episode goes live on Thursday. So that's all we have for you. We could talk forever with you. I know. Oh my goodness. This was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lindsay Pierce, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. You are the best. We love you. You can follow the Craft Studio on Instagram at Craft Studio NYC and check out their website. You can get your own craft subscription. If you don't win the giveaway, you should still get something and check it out because it's the best. I'm 23. I've known Lindsay since I was five. And I still love it just as much as I did then. Um, you can check them out on craftstudionyc.com. And that's all we have for you. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Embarrassing You Podcast. And we're now on TikTok. Check it out. Ooh. I'm making all the TikToks. Mom has created a monster by convincing it me was, to do it. It was my idea. Can you imagine? And now she's I created love a monster. It. Go Zo. And I love it. Next week. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks, Linz. Thank you for having me. What an honor. Love you both so much. Love you. Thank you. you.